1: And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection.
2: Available now from iHeart, a new series presented by T-Mobile for Business, The Restless Ones. Join me, Jonathan Strickland, as I explore the coming technological revolution with the restless business leaders who stand right on the cutting edge. They know there is a better way to get things done, and they are ready Curious, excited for the next technological innovation to unlock their vision of the future. In each episode, we'll learn more from the Restless Ones themselves and dive deep into how the 5G revolution could enable their teams to thrive. The Restless Ones is now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey,
3: this is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Now, have you ever heard, Bridget, the idea that boys are just messier
2: than girls or that men are just slobs who never clean up after themselves? Not only have I heard of this, I have been told this by men I have lived with as a way of getting out of doing housework.
3: Oh, really? Yes. That's an interesting way to look at it. Because for me, when I think about that stereotype, and it is a gender stereotype, that women are just cleaner or neater than our male counterparts, A part of my feminist side thinks, well, hold on a second, that is an overarching generalization based on gender that can't be true. You know, I I immediately am thinking, well, that just feels like a cop-out that makes men feel like they're off the hook and the bar is low for our expectations of their cleanliness. And I also immediately think of the best women in my life, my favorite friends who I know who are not the tidiest women.
2: Are you thinking of someone in particular?
3: (laughs) Someone sitting across this table from me, perhaps? Perhaps, perhaps. I also am thinking about my college roommates. I mean, my college roommates, you walk into their room and it was like a bomb went off. There were clothes all over the floor. And don't get me wrong, my male collegiate counterparts had another level of disgusting. And I've lived in group houses Full of all people who identify as women, those have not been the neatest places either.
2: Yeah, it sounds like, especially in college, it sounds like a lot of people are just messy. You're living on your own, you maybe don't know how to do laundry, you don't know how to fold, it just sounds like it's a messy situation across the board.
3: Right, and so part of me thinks this can't be that simple. That has to be an old, dated stereotype, blah, blah, blah. And the inner feminist part of me thinks that can't be true, this is a stereotype, it's a generalization, And by the way, we know that gay folks have a totally different stereotype, right? We kind of assume that gay men are clean and that's part of the feminization of the gay man stereotype. And it totally erases transgender folks. It's putting all of this baggage on gender that just immediately gets me up in arms thinking this can't be true. And yet, the more I looked into it... There's a pretty overwhelming argument, a case to be made, backed up by a whole bunch of research, that there's some truth to that. And there might be some truth to the overwhelming number of women who report living with men who do not pick up after themselves. So the first thing I want to acknowledge is that there is a little bit of a difference that is hard to account for, I would say pretty much impossible to account for in all of this data, between someone who's just messy and someone who cleans up after themselves. Do you know what I'm seeing? Like, to me, there's a difference between people who clean up a lot and people who might be less messy
2: to begin with. Am I- oh, I see what yeah. you're saying. So that some people are just sort of naturally a little more messy, but that if you clean up after yourself, then you're not really, even if you're, Right, predisposed to being a messy person. If you're cleaning, if you're someone who cleans up after yourself, you're not really messy.
3: Right. So all of the research is about how much time you spend cleaning, mm. which to me is a little bit different than who's messy. Yeah, because it's like an actually,
2: Yeah, because I'm I am like sure, I am sure as crap a messy person, but I clean pretty much every day. Really? fish
3: <laughs> uh, Let's start. Uh, let's not. Nobody's. We're not going to do an investigative <laughs> yeah, report let's not on that. Follow
2: up on that too carefully.
3: Well, it's funny that you mentioned college because that's where some of the research really begins. That got me really interested. There was a really interesting study done by College Stats, and what they found is that from a bacterial standpoint, ew, ew, st- I know, ew, <laughs> just total ew. They have a study, uh, little infographic here called "The Germiest Objects in Dorm Rooms," which. That almost feels like too much information. But what they found is that women have very dirty bathrooms, and men, the the male dorm rooms, have really dirty sheets. Yeah, I know. That's just too much information. However, ErgoFlex, which is a UK-based mattress company, also commissioned a study, this time on adult men and women. And they also found that men between the ages of 18 to 25... 55% of them only change their sheets four times a year.
2: (laughs) Alert, alert. Do not go home with men. If you get in their bed, they are not changing their sheets enough. (laughs)
3: So bad. Watch out, y'all. And I guess what that really results in is not only bacterial growth and like literal fungus that can form in between the threads of your sheets, but we're also talking about dust mites and bed bugs and all kinds of nastiness. And the health community really recommends changing your sheets. Every two weeks, which, okay, I don't do that. How often do you change your sheets? I'm more like a monthly sheet changer. Now I wish more regularly, because I I learned way too much about how gross that is.
2: <laughs> You're going to change them as soon as you get home. I know.
3: Well, I just did. And it, re- it made me realize when I first started cohabitating with Brad the Boo, he never even thought, oh these sheets are dirty. We should change them. That was a novel concept to him that I had to introduce.
2: I have to say, I'm talking a lot of crap about people out there that aren't changing their sheets enough, but I will be remiss to not mention that maybe back in 2012, I was at a workplace and I was just sort of casually talking to a coworker, and I said, isn't it funny how you wash your T-shirts every day, but then you pretty much never wash your hoodies? And she said hold the phone. You're not washing your hoodies. And I was like, no, you don't need to wash hoodies. That was the first time I found out that people were washing their hoodies this entire time. Febreze that, right? I was like, you don't need to wash a hoodie. I'm
3: the same way about jeans, though.
2: Oh, you're actually not supposed to wash jeans. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, you can put them in the freezer. That Well, I don't know if this is actually <laughs> true. If you put jeans in the freezer, they stay clean for longer. Look huh. it up. Yeah. All right.
3: I only wash my jeans more than that. Like, I don't never wash my jeans. I only wash my jeans from necessity because I constantly am spilling it myself.
2: I feel like we are sounding like messier and messier and grosser and grosser good. people.
3: <laughs> I feel like a <laughs> confession box is what's happening here. It feels like a burden has been lifted, but we'll also feel better by the end of this episode because another study was commissioned by Home Advisor amongst over two thousand adults who live with a person of the opposite gender so again this is super heteronormative we have to say that it's not really taking consideration data on same-sex couples but what they found is that women are much more likely to subscribe to many cleaning habits like cleaning up after themselves in the bathroom making the bed in the morning women said that they were bothered by clutter and unkempt things at much higher rates as well however men quote Win the kitchen battle, which I found surprising. Men were more likely to clean their dirty dishes right away after using them. I think they just put that in there as like a little gold
2: star for the men reading. Yeah, that might even—that's like probably not even true. <laughs> like one,
3: I just added that. Well, forty-nine percent of men surveyed said they clean dirty dishes right away, whereas forty-four point four percent of women. So, if you look at the overall statistics, things like vacuuming, picking up clutter, all of that, wiping down the sink after brushing your teeth, women are much more likely to report engaging in those activities. And the research more broadly definitely bears that out. Even though men are doing more childcare uh, than ever before, when it comes to housework and just cleaning up the home,
2: men are still lagging behind. And that, that gap is barely closed. Definitely. Um, one of the stats I find so funny in this study, they ask about whether or not you think it's acceptable to leave the toilet seat up. Fifty-two Which isn't even really cleaning, first of all, but of men think it's acceptable. Only 16.8% of women find that acceptable. And these
3: are men who live with women. Dang. Yeah. That is not cool. Isn't that something that little boys are taught since the very beginning? It's like drilled into their head. Like you have to put the seat back down. That's bizarre to me um i'm sure there's a men's rights podcast out there that's like women even ask us to put the seat down that is precious time in my day that i'm taking out to try to provide women with a a, above and beyond service and effort i can see the argument that way too and it's insane here's the deal apparently women are better smellers than men despite having no physical differences between the the nose of your average gal or guy or the number of receptors they have. Women are apparently better at detecting smells, and studies have shown that women use a bigger chunk of their brains when processing smells than men do. Interesting. So- There are some biological studies, which I'm always annoyed by, because I hate the argument that, well, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Throw your hands up in the air and think, whatever. What are you going to (laughs) do?
2: Boys will be boys. Exactly. You can't smell that the sheets smell like feet. He's a man. (laughs) What do you want from him?
3: It it sort of rescinds responsibility. That's the thing that really bugs me about these stats or the conclusions that you can draw from them, which is, oh, well, men are just messier than women. What are you going to do? Shrug. So this is the exact argument that Dr. Gloria Moss, who is, to be clear, a marketing professional, wrote in her book called Why Men Like Straight Lines and Women Like Polka Dots, which was received to mixed reviews in the UK. She's English. She basically goes through this whole nature versus nurture argument of how Back in caveman days, because men were hunters looking out across the horizon, scanning for potential food in the form of animals, which requires looking at these like sort of straight line horizon shots and being able to differentiate on this like vertical or horizontal axis with their eyes, men biologically have become more sensitive to stripes and things that are straight lines. Yeah. Bridget has a very quizzical look on her face right now that I completely agree with.
2: I just don't think that sounds right. That well, doesn't sound, that doesn't sound sound to me. As you are wearing a what kind of dress right oh, now? Oh, I love, I'm wearing stripes. I wear stripes all the I time. I'm <laughs> stripes too.
3: So she also goes on to make this argument that women were gatherers. So we needed the ability to, I don't know, differentiate between a red berry and the green foliage behind the berry. This is literally the argument she's making in her book. And that's why women like spherical things better. So it's a kind of, in my opinion, it's a very big leap. But she's drawing from her expertise of branding, packaging for products and how women seem to like spherical objects. I'm thinking of the EOS, you know, lip gloss. But do we
2: like spherical objects?
3: I don't, well, here's how, I don't agree with it. And neither does this hilarious article in the debrief, which the title is... Science says there's an evolutionary reason why men are messier than women, and we're calling bull**** on that one. <laughs> 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 and they just take her down argument by argument. But to be clear, from a marketing perspective, I I have a logo that is a circle for my company. Like, I get that I'm drawn to maybe circular or spherical I don't know, lip gloss, like the EOS, Evolution of Smooth Lip Gloss. But that doesn't mean I don't like stripes, and I sure as hell don't think it means that women are cleaner than men.
2: I would even argue there's a little bit of a novelty for everyone when something comes in a small circular package, like those chocolates, Ferrero Rocher. Yeah. Something about it screams, like, elegance to me. It's delightful, whatever. Yeah,
3: I mean, this is not a gender thing as far as I'm saying, but this is totally her argument, and they take her down in the most hilarious of ways. In the article, sort of critiquing Moss's book, they write, "Let's forget about all those small details that men obsess over in the technology masculine roles in which they flourished, like science, IT, and mechanics, and just get to the truth of the issue. Your boyfriend's not picking up the scatter cushions, the the throw pillows on your on your couch." Because he doesn't really fancy doing it. If it means a lot to you, you should probably just ask him to clean up after himself, and I'm sure he'd oblige. If he doesn't, it might be time to get a new boyfriend, but for an entirely
2: unscientific reason. Okay, I hate this. I hate (laughs) this so much, and let me tell you why. This argument that your boyfriend or whatever just doesn't want to pick up the cushions on the couch, and that's why he's not doing it, and if it's important to you, you gotta tell him, that's BS. Well, it's putting the emotional labor on women. Exactly, because... As women, it shouldn't be up to me to tell a grown man to pick up the cushions. We live in a house. We want our house to be nice. This is just putting the labor back on the woman. And that's just on top of all the other crap that we deal with. That's just putting more stuff on us. So I hate, I hate, I hate this argument that if you want your boyfriend to pitch in around the house, that you should just be doling out tasks. No, you should be a full, a fully functioning member of your of your domestic household.
3: And we're going to come back to that because I also intrinsically want to get on board with that rallying cry and think this lady is full of it. But two things make me think differently. One, LGBT couples are doing this better. And there is really interesting data on having open dialogue and conversations about what you want and need in terms of cleanliness as being critical to their success, which we're going to get to at the very end of the episode. But secondly, as much as I think this sounds like bunk and want to get on board trashing this theory— Actually, there's some pretty compelling evidence that shows men really don't notice the mess. Or that men are less likely to notice
2: mess than women are. Emily, can you not rain on my hate parade? (laughs) I was all set to trash I know. I'm
3: usually right there with you. But here's the deal. Even though it sounds sexist to say, you know, men are off the hook, there's this whole hypothesis called the epistemic hypothesis that Alexandra Bradner in the Atlantic magazine really breaks down. She writes, perhaps men simply can't see what needs to be done. They didn't see their fathers doing these tasks and their mothers did their invisible work quietly and without call for recognition. She's talking sort of historically. I would say like a generation or two ago. In this case, our male partners suffer from what philosopher Norwood Russell Hansen called seeing as. Without the requisite background as a trained scrapbooker, for example, men do not see a pile of old photos as a distracting project waiting to happen. It's just a pile of old photos. They live in a different reality. It's almost like men have a completely different perception of clutter and mess that might bother women more so
2: than men. I think that's fascinating, but I still want to push back a little bit because I don't think it's okay to draw those kind of sweeping conclusions about men and women based on that kind of thing. I still don't feel super comfortable with that.
3: I totally agree. And to the extent that it's a nature versus nurture argument, I think it's much more acceptable to me to think that men have been conditioned to not have to worry about mess. But in reality, there's this sort of difference of opinion in the research. Some people think, Men have just not been accultured or socialized to see mess as their problem and are less likely to have it in the foreground of their vision. It sort of recedes to the background and isn't of focus to them whereas other scientists literally say that they have a different cognitive architecture. And there's some very early selective attention data suggesting that distractions are costly for women, but when it comes to men, these same distractions may serve as cues to get men to pay attention to whole categories of things they might otherwise ignore. There's this book called Hidden in Plain Sight, The Social Structure of Irrelevance, which I just kind of love that title, (laughs) of which the whole point is that everything we do depends first on what we define as worth noticing. You can't care about mess or really anything else if you don't even see it as your reality. And so there's this sort of in, famous invisible gorilla experiment. I don't know if you've heard of this. There's this video of basketball players who are passing a basketball on multiple, like they make like 19 passes in 10, 15 seconds. And people are asked to pay attention to how many passes the team makes. During this video, which is something I play often in my training, actually, on mindfulness. During this video, a person in a gorilla suit moonwalks through the middle of the video. Have you seen this? I have not seen it this. It went viral after being used in the UK as a um, pedestrian or cyclist awareness campaign hmm. on TV. fascinating. And they basically said you can't look out for what you're not seeing. And so it helps you change your perception and be more mindfully aware of how context and and attention shapes reality. And basically, the point here is that relevance isn't always objective. Men might see different things as relevant as women. But to me, there are certain things in your foreground that for men might be in the background.
2: I think that makes so much sense. And even though I'm, I am I overall don't like the sort of putting men and women in different categories like that. But in terms of how I am at home, yeah. if my room is messy... I can't ignore it, right? I can't even, I don't, I don't feel like I have the option. Like, I'm a messy person and I'm pretty comfortable with a, a certain level of clutter and in fact feel comfortable in clutter. Um, but there's sort of a tipping point where if it's too cluttered, it's all I can see. When I walk into a room, it's like all I can see. And so sometimes I get into a place where I'll have to be late because I have to take the recycling out because if I can't, I can't look at it anymore. It's kind of like ruining my whole day.
3: <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny is that this journalist, John Chait, wrote a pretty controversial column all about this, saying, Listen, while I agree in general that domestic life requires more gender equality, dot, 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 this always starts off well, right? The housework problem has a partial solution that's simpler and more elegant. Do less of it. So he's basically saying, you know, women just have higher standards that are too outrageous of cleanliness. Not only should men do more on the household, maybe women should lower their standards. Uh,
2: that's first of all, I know I'm familiar with Chate's work. That's a classic Chate argument. Hey ladies, ever considered living in filth? Yeah,
3: which is funny, but then obviously from him as the messenger, that sounds offensive and trust me, we're going to cover a really hilarious response that someone else wrote to that in a minute. But what I find interesting is that a friend of mine who I respect A ton who is a C-suite executive black woman who wrote a book recently called Drop the Ball. Tiffany Dufu basically says the same thing, but in a much more palatable way to mainstream feminists. After all, the subtitle of her book, Drop the Ball, is How Women Can Achieve More by
2: Doing Less. I love how I'm so much more receptive <laughs> when it comes from a black feminist. I'm I like, oh, lay it on me. <laughs> exactly. When it comes from Jonathan Shay, I'm like, oh, go away.
3: Well, isn't it funny how our perception shapes our reality? It's true. Let's it's it's really point. true. Yeah. Here's the thing. Even though I think some people have this foreground-background thing, I refuse to believe it falls equally along gender lines. I still believe that maybe the overwhelming majority of men are less able to see mess. But I think that socialization has a ton to do with that. Did you grow up in a household where that was noticeable or talked about or chores were expected? What was the cleanliness standards of your household in general? And did you see dad picking up as much as you saw mom if that's the kind of household you lived in? I think we can change our perception by changing how we're basically socializing our kids I want to talk through a couple more theories behind this huge disparity between who's cleaning up more and who's messier after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: Okay, so a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair.
1: I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something... And Sundays on NBC, watch it live. There's sure to be big twists and huge surprises. So you'll want to enjoy your Good Girls experience in a spoiler-free zone.
0: The all-new, all-hilarious season of Good Girls, Sundays on NBC and stream anytime. And we're back. And we're talking through why
3: the heck the stereotype that men are messier and women are cleaner is maybe not so much of a stereotype, but in fact, a reality. And here's an interesting piece from Oliver Berkman in The Guardian. He writes that, as it turns out, when it comes to childcare and cooking, those kinds of tasks are much more evenly shared between men and women than they were, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But women are still far more likely to be shouldering the housework that it takes to keep your home relatively clean. What is interesting, and the first theory we just broke down, is that maybe men don't see the mess. And one study even found that single men, with no one else to shoulder the burden of cleaning up, did half as much as single women when it came to hours spent on cleaning. So there is evidence to suggest that maybe they just don't see the mess or are less bothered by it than your average woman.
2: That sounds super, super, super true to me. First of all, I've known some men, some single men who live alone, where you go into their bathroom and you think, how can you live like this? Doesn't Mm -hmm. this bother you? Isn't this driving you up the wall? And they don't even see what you're referring to. I know some guys out there who I guarantee have never scrubbed their bathroom floor ever in the existence of them living in their places. A friend of mine badly, badly, badly wanted to hire a housekeeper, but her husband was very much opposed because his mom was a housekeeper and they had grown up seeing their mom, you know, scrub floors. And he said, no, you're not going to be the kind of family that that outsources our housework. So basically she was like, I'm going to do a little experiment. She hired a housekeeper who came every day. Every day? Every day. This person came, cleaned up it for them and their kids. She would let them in because she worked from home. And her husband never even noticed. So after about a month or so... He ends up bumping into the housekeeper and she's like, Oh, aren't you the, you're the husband of the, of the woman who has hired me. And he's like, What's she talking about? <laughs> he didn't even notice that somebody had been coming to carefully and meticulously clean their house wow. every day.
3: So it's really like they don't see
2: the mess. They don't see the mess or the cleanliness. So it's like all of that
3: effort is invisible. So it could have been done by the wife, right, all of that effort, or by the house cleaner. Or not at all. Or not at all, and he wouldn't even have noticed.
2: There's a really great video where this guy assumes that his coffee table is being cleaned by magic every night. He says, babe, did you know our coffee table is magic? I leave cups and dishes and magazines on this coffee table every night, and when I wake up, they're magically gone. Oh, my God.
3: That sounds like, yeah, it's like the tooth fairy of house cleaning. It's called being a woman. It's awful. That's not the kind of labor we're asking for. But if it's like choosing between just clean less ladies, like John Chate says, or the, what obviously happens, which is the passive aggressive spiral that I fall into. I don't know if you feel this way, but I think, okay, we're down to one toilet
2: paper I roll left in the house. What's his next move? <laughs> That's what I do. I would, I, I, if I, if I'm, if I'm Brad the Boo, I might take some interesting actions there. But
3: well, let me just say, I have willingly gone to the point of having no toilet paper in the house, as opposed to setting the standard of me being the household supplies manager and reordering to the point where just two days ago, An Amazon box arrives that he ordered that included toilet paper.
2: Well, you know, Emily, anything can be toilet paper if you want it bad enough.
3: (laughs) Well, I was, like, willing to sacrifice just so I wouldn't (laughs) fall into the habit of I'm the only one who's going to even notice these things and do something about it. But funny enough— I had already reordered toilet paper because I was like, fine, I'm just going to do I guess he just won't notice. And then it arrived and I was like, oh, my God, you ordered this one two days ago. It got primed here. I ordered it today. And I said to him, I was like, do you know why I love this so much? Do you know why that means so much to me? He's like, because we have toilet paper in the house. And I'm like, no, because you noticed it. You noticed we were running out.
2: I love that Brad's (laughs) first inclination is to be like, it makes you happy because you don't have to wipe your butt with a magazine.
3: (laughs) Not surprising. <laughs> Seems like a reasonable conclusion to draw. That would make anybody happy. I know, but I was just like, no, it's that you noticed, and it's to me like a positive framing of the negative reality, which is you don't notice that the bed isn't, you know, doesn't make itself. So he'll make the bed when I'm coming home from a business trip, and I recently said to him, "Wow." I love that you made the bed. Isn't it nicer when you have a made bed all day? And he's like, no, I just make it on the days I know you're coming home.
2: <laughs> See, you just actually brought up another point that I find, uh... that I've found with my entanglements with men is that they do expect a lot of ass kissing for stuff that we do all the time, right? right? So if a man happens to notice, it's like the, the sea has parted and it's like, you know, they need a parade. Well,
3: in defense, he's not expecting that. I'm just literally trying to provide positive reinforcement. Yeah. Cause he wouldn't know what made me feel good about that. It's that he noticed and he cared. And now he does it just because he knows I care about it.
2: But not because it's... Important to him. He's doing it because he knows it's important to you. Not because he has seen it and it's bothersome to him, which actually Mm -hmm. goes back to the data. Exactly.
3: It's not that he doesn't notice it. He does, but only because I care about it, not because he cares about it. And now this man is known to to vacuum the whole apartment Wait, when I'm coming home.
2: is that romantic? I feel like
3: it's that might be kind of romantic. romantic. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go into details, but anyway, let me just... There is also data that Sheryl Sandberg has talked about on occasion, and I think in Lean In, saying that men who do more on the house have more fulfilling sex lives. Oh, I
2: have no trouble believing that at all. Well, that's how things play out in my household, let me tell you. And I was actually just reading something that says that couples that that can't afford it who end up outsourcing stuff like this, who get housekeepers or get takeout or delivery, actually report having happier lives and happier relationships. Oh,
3: for sure. And especially those women.
2: Oh, I'm sure.
3: (laughs) Those women in those relationships feel the same way. So here's the deal. There's two other theories I want to break down. The first theory is that men just don't notice these things. Whether you think it's by nature or by nurture, I think there's a good amount of data that backs up that theory. The second theory, I'm not so sure I buy into. And to sum it up, it's it's called the motivational hypothesis. But to me, it's really about this. They see it, but they don't care. It's the idea that men have an inkling of what supposedly needs to be done, but they don't really think that those tasks are valuable enough to justify it taking up their time at all. That sounds awful.
2: I gotta say, that actually sounds a little bit like me. <laughs> not not to like... Right! Yeah, because I mean, I think about... So when I was in graduate school and I was trying to finish my, my PhD, which I never ended up, ended up finishing, my apartment was very, very messy, and it became a thing where... It, I had made a choice. I knew I was living in squalor, but I made a choice that my time could be better spent, focused on work, and if I wasn't working, I was should be sleeping or having a rare night out, and that I, I could tell that my apartment was a mess, but I had just deprioritized how important that mess was for me. And so I just said, I see the mess, I see it's very messy, but my time is better spent, focus on something that's not cleaning my apartment. So my apartment was filthy. I never had guests for like four months.
3: (laughs) I also think that's a very proactive and conscious priority that you set. And I I think that makes sense. That's me and my exercise regimen right now. I think exercise is important, but not right now. It's not because that's not one of the things that fits into my schedule for this particular month or week or whatever. And I'm just giving myself permission to feel a little bit bad, but not really that bad about it. And I think sometimes you have to do that. And that was my biggest problem with this theory You know, even if this motivational hypothesis does have some bearing, I don't think there's any evidence that it's gendered. I think this thought process, this philosophy of I'm not cleaning up or I'm not doing the dishes right now because my time is better spent elsewhere— isn't super connected to your gender identity.
2: I don't think it is either. I, I would even argue that, one, it's the kind of thing that's probably really difficult to prove in research, and two, I think it probably has more to do with your temperament, what you're up to, what you, what you consider valuable and not valuable, what you consider productive and not productive.
3: I agree. Now, the third theory that is broken down in this great... Atlantic piece that I think is much more backed up by research is this idea that men are held to standards other than cleanliness more so than women think of it this way right when we think of a messy dude's desk it's like he must be a genius He must be so busy that he doesn't have time to clean his desk, which is piled up with paperwork, and he's focused on building client relations or doing his job super well. He's some sort of mad scientist genius dude. When we think of women who are slobs in the office... We think she's a hot mess. She's like a Bridget Jones character.
2: I thought you were going (laughs) to say a Bridget Todd. No! (laughs) Never! (laughs) She's one of those Bridget Todd's you're always hearing about. Total (laughs) slob.
3: Just one commonality there. The name (laughs) is all I'm talking about. But it's this idea that actually being a messy woman comes with some really negative assumptions from your colleagues.
2: Yeah, I've definitely felt that. I've been on the receiving end of, of being a woman who always has a messy desk. First of all, I'm someone who works better when things are a little bit cluttered it can it can look like a big pile of garbage but I know where things are like I know this pile is this kind of thing I can I know that this thing on top of this pile means xyz so it definitely looks ridiculous but I don't think anyone is looking at my desk and thinking oh she's probably changing the world look how messy her desk is and I bet that for men they probably are thinking that sometimes
3: yeah I mean it's just a different standard that we hold men and women to. Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant actually break this down in the New York Times when they wrote about office housework, which is the idea that women are expected to clean up around the office. Whereas when men chip in and are extra helpful around the office, they're doing what is above and beyond expected of them. So they get rewarded with this, like, social boost, social praise. Whereas women who basically don't help, she's a team player. She's expected to be communal. But really, when a man says no to office housework, he's assumed to be busy. A woman is assumed to be selfish.
2: It blows my mind how gendered these things are. And that sounds like so many other things. The episode that we did around the daddy bump, where when a man has a child, it's assumed that he's this great dad, blah, blah, blah. And it actually improves his status at work and how that's not true for women. The opposite is quite true for women. it's, It's time and time and time again we see these things of... Expectations for women that if they don't meet, they're they're falling behind and dinged for it. But if men just do the bare minimum, they get a parade and their honor for it.
3: Exactly. I mean, New York University psychologist Madeline Heilman found that staying late and helping another employee or colleague prepare for an important meeting earned men a fourteen percentage point increase in favorability ratings than a woman. So thinking about how helpful is your colleague if he stayed late to help out with your presentation and he's a dude, you're going to rate him 14% more helpful, favorable, positive than women. Whereas when both people in this experiment declined staying late and being helpful, a woman was rated 12 percentage points lower than a man when it came to favorability.
2: Wow. What I found even more fascinating about that is this idea that when men do actually help in those ways, they're more likely to do so in public while women are more likely to do so behind the scenes. Thus, they probably don't even get credit at all. So men are much more likely to take the helping option that, you know, is kind of flashy, gets some public praise. Everyone can see it. Whereas a woman could be behind the scenes helping and no one might even ever know.
3: Exactly. And even if they did know, they don't seem to care as much. And this is what brings us back to John Chate's argument that you should just care less and clean less because maybe your standards are just too high in the workplace environment. Women who do that risk being penalized. And this is exactly what Emily Shire wrote about in Slate when she wrote an article titled, There's a reason why women clean more. They're judged for it. She writes about how President Obama described his first D.C. apartment when he was a junior senator here being piled with pizza boxes and how culturally or sort of socially we look at stories like that about messy men as lovable, kind of absent-minded professor-type characters. But for women in pop culture, on the other hand, or just in common sort of society that we talk about, messiness is related to one's life being in total disarray.
2: And let me tell you, as a kind of messy woman, I can totally, totally, totally confirm that. Uh, By the way, I've gotten a lot better. confirm that... It's connected to your life being in disarray, or
3: that other people assume your life is in disarray.
2: Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, definitely people look at messy women in a different way. Um, I'll never forget once I was I was uh, having my bag checked, trying to go into a nightclub for a concert, and my bag. I had this. I was traveling, so my bag was huge, and it was full of a lot of di- different stuff, like contact solution, and I think like a notebook, and like just a bunch of random crap. And the bouncer said, "Are you living out of your car?" Oh my God, <laughs> and I was like, just. My purse is a mess. Does it mean I'm living out of a car judge sir?
0: much <laughs> judge much? Yeah, jeez.
3: I think you're totally spot on on this, Bridget. And Emily in Slate goes on to sort of take down John Chate's argument by writing before Chate begins telling women how easy it is to let go of their uptight tidiness and lower their standards for clean living, he should think hard about who's going to be judged for all that sloppiness. And then maybe he should pick up the duster.
2: I love that takedown so much. First of all, I, I could read anybody takedown Chate and l- love it. But I love that she reminds him, hey, you don't know what it's like to be judged. You don't know how harshly women are judged for this kind of thing. Think about when you have children. If your children's clothes are filthy, they're not looking good. It isn't the dad that reflects bad on it. It's the mom. Right.
3: And those double standards permeate personal and professional settings. When we come back from this next quick break, we're going to talk through what can be done to make this a little easier and maybe a little cleaner for all of us.
0: Okay, so a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair.
1: I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something...
2: He constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. And we're
3: back, and we've been breaking down some of the truth and some of the truth components to the stereotype that women are cleaner and men just are messier. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, despite the research that does reinforce those stereotypes and basically show us that men really don't clean up after themselves as much as women do, I refuse to believe that the status quo is unchangeable. So what can be done to change the status quo?
2: Well, something that I really found really funny from The Atlantic is they actually break it down in a checklist for men, for fathers, to ask yourselves, Are you doing these things? Some of the questions they suggest that men ask themselves to get a sense of how much they're contributing in the household are questions like, do I do half of the laundry and half of the dishes every day? Do I buy half of the clothes and toys? Do I take on half of the management of my care providers? Do I write up half of the lists and notes? Do I plan half the travel? Do I change half the diapers? I would be willing to bet if, if people were really honest with themselves on this checklist, They would probably find the answer to a lot of these questions is no.
3: And it's one of those checklists that can be so helpful to talk through with a partner. And whatever the gender of your partner is, having these honest conversations about sharing responsibilities can be a good place to start. Because for a lot of us, and I'll admit, myself included, I can be the first one to jump up and assume responsibility. For instance, our dog, Teddy, on occasion has a middle-of-the-night-I-need-to-go-out type emergency. And he'll scratch at the door and wake us up because he's polite like that. Aww. <laughs> little Teddy the dog is kind of a genius in my unbiased opinion. Uh, but he'll wake us up and let us know that he has to go out. And in the past, I always jumped up and did it. And now I'm getting in the habit of just whacking Brad a little bit and being like, the dog needs to go out. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I did this the last time it was a thing. And now he's like learning to jump up and take care of it. I love it. I mean, it was I had to first recognize that, oh... I've been assuming all the responsibility on this and actually ask for the help I need. Yeah, I like that.
2: Not only should we be asking ourselves these questions in terms of our, our houses and our domestic situations, but these same kind of questions can be useful and translated in the workplace as well. Grant and Sandberg talk about the ways that we can really be thinking about the same kind of thing in the workplace. You know, are you the one who does the dishes in the office? Or are you the one who leaves your mug on the counter and you just assume someone else is going to do it? Are you the one who's assuming responsibility for the various kinds of office housework that pile up? Or are you just assuming it's going to be someone else's problem?
3: Wasn't there an office episode about like a chore wheel that Pam came up with? She like illustrated like a chore wheel to try and have different people take different responsibilities for different chores on on different days. For me, that whole experience is so universal to every office I have ever worked in, except we didn't have a chore wheel and it resulted in a bunch of passive-aggressive emails about who's left their dirty dishes in the office sink once again.
2: (laughs) That's so classic office. Well, according to Grant and Sandberg, assigning these kinds of tasks evenly rather than just relying on somebody volunteering can really help that work get shared, noticed, and valued.
3: And importantly, further research shows that having cleaner workspaces and really just cleaner public spaces can be really important for helping us all to be our best Selves. Something I totally didn't anticipate stumbling upon in researching for this episode is that some studies have shown chaotic spaces spur racial stereotyping. Dutch researcher Saigwaart Lindenberg conducted multiple experiments attempting to connect disorder to bias, to really us stereotyping other people and making unfair assumptions. In one experiment, volunteers were asked to fill out a survey at a train station with another person sitting nearby. Half were at a clean train station and half were at a dirty station. At the dirty station, participants sat further away from a white person than a black person while completing the survey. They also chose more stereotypical answers. So, first of all, their behavior changed in terms of where they sat and the responses they got changed based on that environment, too, in a a really racially messed up way. Wow! And that's part of the reason I think it's important that we don't necessarily lower our standards. I think what it means is we have to have open honest dialogue with her co-workers about office housework and with our domestic partners if you so choose to have someone with whom you cohabitate and unsurprisingly lgbtq people seem to be getting this better
2: yeah basically on pretty much all issues we are in 2017 the gays are in 2027 <laughs> pretty much across the board A small study looking at how gay and straight couples negotiate chores found that, surprise, surprise, same-sex couples are better at discussing and negotiating a fair division of labor, which in turn leaves both parties more satisfied. So this really kind of goes back to this idea of open communication and expressing the kind of thing that you were describing with Brad, expressing what it is that you find important and what it is that you need in a domestic situation.
3: Yeah, exactly. And because same-sex couples are less likely to fall into constraining sort of gender roles and economic privileges that men tend to experience over women for instance it makes sense that they would divide household chores more fairly researchers asked a mix of 225 couples what they found is that 44 percent of same-sex dual earner couples shared equally in laundry responsibilities versus 31 percent of heterosexual couples Furthermore, 62% of same-sex dual-earner couples indicated that they share sick child care responsibilities versus only 32% of straight couples.
2: I know earlier in the episode I was raging against the idea that we should be doling out responsibilities. But if you never have that conversation about how this stuff is going to be divided up, you never have that conversation and it just gets left to whoever. This seems like a much better way to do it. Mm-hmm. What I also find really interesting is that, according to the author of that study, men in gay partnerships are much more likely to discuss these things, whereas women in straight partnerships are much more likely to say they wanted to, but didn't.
3: Yeah, and that was me for a long time. There are still chore-sharing conversations that I want to have with my partner, but it's just a good reminder that when you fall into gender stereotypes— it's easy to assume you don't need to have that conversation. So unless we're proactive about having the dang conversation and stop biting our tongues, we're going to have less satisfying household division of labor. And when it comes to measuring satisfaction around the division of labor, the researchers found that it's not necessarily about perfectly equal division of labor. Because that's not really something that's easy to strive towards, necessarily. Yeah, that
2: doesn't sound realistic.
3: It's not plausible. It's not always possible. But... The difference is whether you felt like you had a voice. Did you say what you wanted to say, or did you just let it evolve and feel like it just sort of happened that way?
2: Or did you just get really passive-aggressive and stop buying toilet paper and just kind of see what happens. <laughs> Sometimes those passive-aggressive
3: games are part of a more assertive strategy. No, it's not. You're like, it's I'm like- playing the long game.
2: <laughs> this is chess. This is chess, not checkers. <laughs> Let me tell
3: you, it didn't feel like chess when I'm sitting on the toilet thinking, oh dear, I may have won the battle, but I have lost the war. <laughs>
2: Oh, I love it.
3: This is good. <laughs> All right, Sminty listeners, we want to hear from you on this. How does the division of household chores look in your household? Are you a very neat and tidy lady who lives with a slob of a dude? Or are you a dude who likes it neat and tidy and gets annoyed when people make assumptions about your sexuality for your cleanliness or wanting to look put together?
2: Are you a woman who lives like a filthy pirate like myself? <laughs> Honestly, I actually wouldn't mind being tagged in some really liberating Instagram photos of a messy-ass (laughs) apartment.
3: Make us feel better about ourselves. Either way, we want to hear from you. What did you think about today's conversation? Do you feel like it's a nature or a nurture argument? I'm really curious to hear from your experiences on that, and especially from our male listeners. Do you run into this stereotype? Do you feel like you're helping? Are you doing 50% of the household chores at work and at home? Uh, and do you think that your perception
2: of that 50% is actually, in reality, 50%? So tag us on those filthy apartment photos at stuff mom never told you on Instagram, tweet at us at momstuff podcast on Twitter, or send us a good old-fashioned email at momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com.